WXDX FM Pittsburgh. We're not annoying like all your other exes. Hi. Pittsburgh's Rock and Alternative 105.9 VX. ProFootballTalk.com really eviscerated the Steelers for the contract offer they made Levy on Bell, calling it, quote, disingenuous and delusional, unquote, because there was only $10 million in guaranteed money. And okay, that was the signing bonus, but the Steelers obviously weren't going to cut Bell before the contract's first year, and almost certainly not before the deal's second year either. So Bell was going to make $33 million over the first two years regardless of the semantics. Uh, Florio has really taken a stand on behalf of Bell, basically calling the Steelers bullies and commending Bell for standing up to them when so few players in the past dared to. Yeah, Lev Bell, he's a real Rosa Parks, all right. Yo, how often do the Steelers keep somebody they shouldn't? Or let somebody go they shouldn't? It happens, but not often. The Steelers usually get it right. Bleacher Report says the Steelers will be crushed by losing Bell. I don't think so. Juju Smith-Schuster says the Steelers should have paid well Bell. I think Juju Smith-Schuster needs to shut up. Just once. I'm begging you, Juju. Shut the hell up. Hey, Mike Florio. Usually you get it right. But this time, you didn't. So guess what? You just made the list. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count on a name you can trust. Dial 412-367-0815 for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. I do think we're at the point where we are overrating Le'Veon Bell. That doesn't mean he's not real good. Doesn't mean he's not one of the top three, five, whatever backs in football. But he is overrated nonetheless. Le'Veon Bell isn't Jim Brown. Last season, Bell was above average, above average at best. He's heading into career season number six in the NFL. And look at DeMarco Murray, retired after seven seasons. The Steelers played this exactly right. I don't understand all the worry and hand-wringing over Bell's likely departure following the 2018 season. Running backs are disposable, even the good ones. If you lose a good quarterback, he's tough to replace. If you lose a good running back, just go get another one. Again, I keep saying, look at all the rookies last year. It's supply and demand. The supply of good quarterbacks is less, ergo more demand. The supply of good receivers is less, ergo more demand. The supply of good running backs is plentiful, ergo less demand and less money for even the very top backs. And Le'Veon Bell ain't the best back in the league. Well, put it this way. For sure, he did not have the best season by a running back last year. I think you'd have to say that was Todd Gurley. And if Bell was so great last year, why did the Steelers finish 20th in the league in rushing 
And why did they finish 25th in the league in yards per carry? Oh, no way. Dejan told me that stat doesn't matter. You know, when you dismiss stats like that, you know what you're telling me? That you've made up your mind Bell is good, and the stats that prove that matter, and the stats that don't prove that don't matter. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. The Open at Carnosi, I think that's how you pronounce it, starts tomorrow. That's the British Open. If you don't go off for all that golf gobbledytalk, uh, it'll go just like I predicted a couple days ago. Tiger will play well enough for all of you to pretend he's in it, but he won't really be in it, and he will not win it. As far as who's going to win, I don't know. I don't care. I'm just waiting for the big one-on-one challenge for $10 bucks between Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. That's what I'm waiting for. These so-called major tournaments. Is the guy who wins the Open getting $10 million? No, he is not. So the $10 million challenge between Tiger and Phil Mickelson is a bigger event. You know, uh, somebody said it would be better if they put up the money like if it was a bet. That would be better. There will be a side bet between the two, but could they talk about it? Would they talk about it? Isn't that technically illegal? 412-333-9939. I have to kind of laugh again about the NBA trade, that Toronto-San Antonio trade. Kawhi goes to Toronto. DeMar DeRozan goes to San Antonio. I think San Antonio will thrive based on making that trade. Uh, DeRozan isn't as good a player as Kawhi, but he cares and he'll play. Kawhi tanked last season, says he doesn't want to play in Toronto. He may tank this season too. I don't know what athletes think sometimes when they're in contract. When they're out of contract, when they're free agents, and I mean the unrestricted variety because if you're restricted, no matter what league that may be in it, it really isn't free agency at all, as with the NFL in the franchise tag. But if you are under contract, you're employed, and you need to shut up and do what you're told by your employer. That's how it works when you're under contract. 412-333-9939. Uh, the Florio stuff's funny, and I'm a big Florio fan. I think ProFootballTalk.com is is uh, as good as anything on the internet regarding the National Football League, uh, save Peter King, now working for uh, NBCSports.com. Or is it CBS? Well, who's Pete with, NBC or CBS? It's NBC. Okay, that's what I thought. He's number one. Mike Florio is number two, somewhere in there. Let's not cut on Andy Benoit now, who's still with... Sports Illustrated in the absence of Peter King. But uh, Florio is like saying the Steelers always bully their their players when it comes to contracts. No, they don't bully. They just have a philosophy and a standard and a format that they stick to and don't make exceptions. Because once you make an exception to a rule in a situation like that, it is no longer a rule. So, uh, 
I think that the Steelers handled the situation fine. And if Love Bell leaves, I think that will be fine too. Let's go to John in Murraysville. John. My question question is about the franchise tag and, and the running back. Why the, why the um, value is so high? Well, because it's the average of the top three paid at the position or 120% of the player's previous year's salary, whichever is greater. So right, Lev, Bell is now, Lev Bell is now on the doubler where he's getting 120% this year, excuse me, right. uh, last year, and then again this year. So that's why right. his figure is so high. Right, but the current highest paid running back is eight and a quarter. If, if you okay, apparently you weren't listening at all because I said it's the average of the top, excuse me, it's top five salaries at the player's top position. Would, would you let me talk? No, no, you, you talk because you apparently know more than me. You go ahead. Well, if it's the average of the top five, it's 50% higher than the top paid running back. Oh, gee, really? Because I explained to you what the difference was, and you just weren't effing listening. Anything else? Which is the 20%? Okay, you just weren't listening. Do you want me to say it again? Apologize for not listening. I'll explain it again. I apologize for not listening. Get lost, jerky. I hate that. Why would you call and not listen to what I say? To repeat to those of you out there who may be confused by dumb skull, it's the top, it's the average of the top five salaries at the player's position, or 120% of the player's previous year's salary, whichever is greater. And Bell, obviously, at this point, is getting the 120% uh, upgrade. Let's go to Jeremy in Murraysville. Jeremy. Yes, Mark. I uh, just had a question, and I wanted to see your thoughts on it. Once Le'Veon Bell does sign his tag, do you think there's a possibility that Pittsburgh would trade him? Or no. do you think there's another team that no. would even consider an offer? No. No, they will not trade him. Okay. Anything else? Yep, just wanted to see what Yep, see, see you later. Bye. Yeah, they're going to trade him for a first-round pick and a second-round pick and a linebacker. I, I, I mean, you know, a lot of people would indulge idiocy like that. God darn the pusher man. 412-333-9939. Uh, how this plays out with Bell, you know what the most interesting thing now is? Okay, Bell's gone. He's gone after this year. And they'll draft somebody, and he'll probably be pretty good, and you'll be shocked, but not too shocked because I'm always right. You may be shocked by how easy it was to replace Le'Veon Bell. Will the next guy do 100% of what Bell did? Well, it depends on what kind of year Bell has this year. He might do 100% of what Bell did in 2017. But the next guy's going to do enough. He'll do like, I don't know, 80% of what Bell does, and that'll be enough. The interesting part now is what the dynamic is like, you know, with Bell in the lineup, how he performs. Will he willingly accept his usual workload? Will he not mind 400 touches as he heads into free agency? Uh, what will the team think if he shows up? If he shows up when he did last year, I think there's no problem between him and the team. If he skips games, I think there would be a problem. This is a guy. He has one foot out the door, the other foot in the backfield. It, it is a lame duck situation, and watching how that plays out will be 
interesting. Okay, we got Rob and Bill on hold. We'll get to them in a second. We got Jake Kiska of Greta Van Fleet at the bottom of the hour, 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. He's a prissy, sissy, dancy boy. No matter who's a goalie, when we have the right defense playing the right way. You're right. They should play without a goalie. The X at 105.9. Got a bunch of calls. Got Jake Kiska at the bottom of the hour. So let's talk to Rob in the car. Rob, you're on with Mark Madden. Double M, what's up? Hi. Um, um, yeah, just wanted to, two things. Wanted to talk about the, why the Steelers were 100% correct in how they handled the Le'Veon Bell contract. <clears throat> I agree with you. You get six years, um, six years out of a running back at a, at a high level. Um, you get to control it, not to mention all the off-field issues and the dude's just a knucklehead. But you're 100% right, Mark, when you said that you can replace guys. Um, you know, you can find gems. Guys like you, you mentioned the guys last year, but think of guys like Priest Holmes. He went undrafted. Terrell Davis. Um, he was a six-round pick. Well, yeah, but you no don't have to go back too far. I mean, last year, six rookie running backs made impact, although two had their seasons cut short by injury. But there was a third-round pick, a third-round pick, a seventh-round pick. You didn't have to be a first-round pick. Oh, no, absolutely. And I, I was thinking of someone who would be comparable on his skill level, though, in regards to a pre-tom's way he was able to catch the ball. So I agree with you. Running backs are plenty. Um, but I also wanted to talk about, if you're okay with it, the moron that thought that having Antonio Brown um, you know, on the cover of Madden is going to hurt us. He's a moron, and I was glad that you exposed Well, football that. players get hurt all the time. And, you know, if, if the guy on the cover of the Madden video game gets hurt, it's not a curse. It's coincidence. Let's go to Bill in Steubenville. Bill, ask, uh, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark, real quick. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, now, and, and he's obviously he's not an employee of the NFL. I was wondering if he was still getting drug tested because if he's not, you know, he's burning down wherever he's at. Uh, no, he's not getting tested and will not get tested until he signs the franchise tag. So, yeah, he's... He's smoking pot right now. I don't know. How, I don't know. I don't know how much time is needed for pot to clear the system. Certainly, you can use masking agents, but you got to be careful right. with those because those can't show up in your test either. So. Yeah, he, he probably slows down before training camp hits, cleans out, and then bam, there we go again. All right, brother, thank you. I would bet he's token right now, and and there's nothing wrong with it except it's against the NFL's policy. That's the only thing wrong with it, and it does show a weakness. If you know you can lose millions by smoking pot, you still do. There's stuff I like to do. In fact, just about anything I like to do. If you told me I could make millions by not doing it, there isn't too much. I wouldn't knock off the old agenda till I stacked up a few millions. Let's go to Nick in Monroeville. Nick, you're on hey, with the Mark. super genius. Hey, Mark. How you doing? What up? Hey, I got a quick question. Let's say that Le'Veon Bell, you know, plays all 16 games during the regular season, has a great season, and the Steelers are about to go into the playoffs. Let's say what happens if he just says, you know what, I don't want to, you know, play in the playoffs and risk injury. Do you see him maybe possibly doing something like that? Kind of like a college kid skipping the bowl game. Yeah. That's actually well. No, you know what? He he would be obligated under his contract to play. Well, I thought once he plays, like no, the no, full, the contract like regular... he, the contract binds you to play through the completion of the season. Not just the regular season, but also the no, playoffs. which which you don't get paid by your team. 
in the playoffs. You get, you know, a stipend and you get, you know, bonuses from the league. But uh, now, now the way you should word that question is, could you see Le'Veon Bell faking an injury to skip well, the playoffs? I was going to say that too. Okay, no, but, but that's the way he'd have to do it. Okay. And believe me, if he does get hurt, unless it's something that shows up on an x-ray, people will be wondering. Let's go to Paul on 40th Street. Paul, real quick, you're on with Double M. Hey, what's up, Mark? What up? Hey, I was wondering, when Bell does sign his franchise tag, the NFL's obviously going to uh, drug test him. Now, if he would get suspended under the franchise tag, do the Steelers still have to pay him? Well, not for the time while he's suspended, but yes, they would have to pay him. All of it. Again, not the games he's suspended. You, you get you get a weekly check based on uh, the game. Okay. So if he got suspended, his next drug suspension would be four games. So he would miss nine hundred and nine k per week while he's suspended. Would it only would it only be four? Martavis got that whole season. Yeah, but but double. again, I I'm tired of explaining this. Uh, Bell's uh, one suspension was not a drug suspension; it was a personal conduct suspension. Because the cops caught him smoking pot in a car with Legarrette Blunt, uh, that happened to Heather Abraham, by the way, in a van behind Shaler High School back when she went there. The lovely uh, newswoman from Channel Two, but uh, but only, he only has one drug violation because the the thing with Blunt and the car, he did not flunk or miss a test. Up next from Greta Van Fleet, don't forget there at Stage AE tonight. It sold out. How cool is that? These kids sold the place out, although. I imagine the scalpels will do a brisk business. If you see me there, leave me alone. Jake Kiska up from Greta, and I'm serious. Don't interrupt the effing songs. I'm trying to listen to the effing song. Jake Kiska next, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Big Sexy. Hey, Mark. Love the show, man. You could have the iron sheet to humble one person. Who would it be? Sally Wiggins again. VX at 105.9. <laughs> My guest right now is just 22 years old, but is helping lead a revival of exactly the kind of music I love to listen to. He and his band are at Stage AE July 18, and it is sold out. From Greta Van Fleet, he is guitarist Jake Kiska. Uh, Jake, welcome aboard. How do a bunch of kids from Franklin with Michigan come this far this fast? It's really been amazing. Uh, I don't know, Mark. <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been a very quick... Um you know, upcoming, I suppose, and I don't think that any of us had a, uh, you know, expected such a quick, quick rise, I suppose, or, you know, such immediate attention, I guess. Well, I'm sure it's very gratifying, and as you mentioned, two other members of Greta Van Fleet are your brothers. When did you and your brothers start playing music together? I know it's a musical family you come from, and when did Greta Van Fleet become a band, per se? Um, yeah, it's interesting, you know, it's like, I suppose, ever since, you know, we, we knew each other, which was granted very early on, <laughs> um, we were listening to a lot of the same things, we kind of grew up sharing, a, you know, many similar, uh, experiences and influences, and we kind of grew up in a, you know, very creatively, uh, nurturing environment where that you know and it wasn't always music around there was you know a lot of film and literature and things like that and um so i think you know i was probably the first one who picked up an instrument um and started playing guitar really early probably around three or four and then um uh josh had always 
song and um you know it would start out in the car you know and we're driving and on long road trips and stuff like that and um so i think it was um you know around um high school really probably around senior or sophomore year um and um we started you know i had i had a drummer um who's a friend of mine from uh from jazz from a jazz band um uh, from school, and I, you know, brought him over. We started, you know, playing guitar and drum-based music, and uh, and so I started pulling Josh in. And at some point, you know, it was the three of us, and then it was just, you know, down to getting probably you know, a bass player. And um, so, you know, we started pulling Salmon probably around that time period, around 15 or 16. And I, th- you know he started coming out and eventually it's like, oh, there's four of us and we were playing in that arrangement and uh, the drummer couldn't keep up. Danny came in, who is a childhood friend of ours and has known Sam since, you know, kindergarten. And, um, and that was kind of the formation of the band, which was, you know, probably around, I would say my senior year of high school, that that was uh, when we were really, I think a band that we had become, well, that's amazing. Very organic, Jake. And uh, when you start out as kids yeah. doing this, what's the goal? Is it stardom? Is it just to have fun playing with your brothers and for your friends? What was the minimum acceptable goal when you started this? Yeah, I think it's interesting being that young that you have no predisposed idea, I suppose, of what exactly you're going to do, especially musically. And I think in that sense of you know, ignorance being on our side that something really organic, like you said, happens musically. So it's like, um, I suppose that, you know, what happened essentially was four contributing members, you know, to, to one sound and one song. And, you know, I suppose that's kind of how the writing goes as well, that it seems like, you know, there's equal participation between each member of the band musically and artistically. So, you know, I think that stuff, it, it was all, you know, all that stuff is is sort of organic, I suppose, and that, especially when you're, you know, that young, I guess. Let's stick with the songwriting angle for a second, Jake. Uh, how quickly are ideas formulated and executed with you guys? Because... I think songwriting is probably the toughest part of your job, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I would say it is, and it, it in some senses, and it, and it isn't in others. I think, I think, um, uh, I suppose it, it, every song is written entirely different. It seems, and a lot of them come very quickly, um, and some take time to, you know, tentatively, you know, man, you know, manipulate to figure, you know, the arrangement out. So uh, it's all kind of very different, but how it generally works is there's we're all you know writers and we all kind of bring you know an idea to the table when it's sort of done, uh, done. and um, you know whether that's like something that I've written on the guitar and I've arranged this riff and I've put together you know a skeleton of the song and I say okay now it's time to take it to the guys and I say what do you guys think of this and everybody gets on the, you know instruments and I may have a note like say I think keys particular Mellotron in this one or something along that line and you know everybody kind of jumps on and, and just contributes right away and the song pretty much comes together within 15 minutes usually um, 
but you know, whether it's Sam bringing something in on the keys or Danny bringing something in on the guitar, Josh bringing something in on keys or with, you know, vocals. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it happens pretty quickly and it, and it kind of comes together um, once, you know, the idea is there and everybody kind of comes together. So, you know, it can be easy or challenging, but it, it happens pretty relatively quickly and different every time. Now, now, Highway Tune and Safari Song have been signature moments for you guys so far. And I know you've written a lot of other material that is yet to to be released. How do you judge your new material? Do you compare it to what you've done or do you try to evaluate it in and of itself? Well, it's, um, you know, it's kind of based, I think, in, in, in our, uh, you know, pref- you know, opinions that it's like, um, what we've kind of put together now that's going to be coming out on, um, the first album is, you know, there's a certain relativity to what was previously previously released with Black Sweat Rising and From the Fires, and I think that we wanted to beat that, you know. I think we wanted to elevate and be more, you know, showcase a bit more of what we've kind of learned over the last year and a half. And, um, and uh, so I think, in so in many, in many senses, a lot of the, you know, what, because we do, yeah, base it on what's been released and, um, and know that we're now capable of more than that. And, you know, as not only live performers, but, you know, studio musicians. And, um, and I think that, uh, I think overall you can kind of hear a bit of, you know, a sense of maturity on, uh, on the, you know, with the new songs that are going to be released. Um, but yeah, there's the sort of comparative thing where we're looking at, you know, what's been released and going, well, we can beat this out easy, you know, we're talking to Jake Kiska of Greta Van Fleet here on the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 The X. Uh, Jake, here's the cliched question. How are you guys adapting to life on the road and the temptations that accompany? I mean, you're really young guys, and you're going all over the world right now. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's uh, – I think we have the advantage of, of youth on our side. You know, I don't think that we get run down to too often. And, um, and I think that uh, – you know, the, you know, there's three of us are brothers, and I suppose that there's sort of a sort of a revelry about it, you know. And then it's kind of like family on the road in the sense that you know, and we're all well, all of us are really close, so I suppose that helps. And you know, we're forced to call mom every you know so often, so <laughs> there's a grounding element to that as well. Um, but yeah, I suppose you know. Every, on the other side of that story, you know, we, we can get worn down every so often. And I think recently Danny had uh, had uh, injured his wrist, so we had to cancel a series, uh, a couple shows, and it was painful. But he's back at it, so on the road again. <laughs> now you guys dress the part. You kind of have that classic rock look. And I believe a touch of makeup may even be involved. What look are you guys going for, and how important is that part of it? Yeah, it's interesting. I think we all really kind of grown to appreciate a lot of fashion in a sense. You know, like the traveling certainly has been something that because it was something that was always there. You know, it was like we always grew up. You know, dressing up and like you know we had a big pile of like costumes that we would you know spend all of these hours at our grandparents' house, you know, 
you know, like basically dressing up and performing and stuff. And I think that's something that was always initially there. And I think that in, in a lot of the travels sort of amplified our interest in it, you know, like especially in Europe and, and what people are wearing and stuff. So, you know, I think that, I think that we've always kind of been into, you know, what, what clothing can kind of do and, 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 in the fascination of that and sort of, you know, you can, you know, in the physical sense, sort of personify yourself and, you know, who you, who you are and, and, uh, kind of do that with fashion in a lot of the sense. So I think that, um, you know, if we're, you know, going in our travels, we kind of collect things from thrift stores and stuff like that, whatever's cool. And, um, I think that, you know, we, we've just kind of collected a ton of clothing and, and, you know, I think we really appreciate, you know, what, what clothing can do. And, and, um, I think that's kind of just generally it, you know, I guess that our, our fascination is what. <laughs> now everybody talks about the Led Zeppelin comparison. I'm sure you're tired of that, Jake, but the influences go way past that, don't they? Yeah. I mean, it kind of goes right to the roots of a lot of music because we grew up, you know, around the, uh, an ample amount of vinyl. So, you know, it was always, always seemed to be a lot of the traditional music, um, that, you know, that, that was, I think, put there on purpose by my dad. And, you know, and in, in that, in that relation, I suppose, in, you know, being that we're really humbled by the reference and I guess honored by the collation or the affiliation with, you know, the, the Zeppelin thing. Um, I think we also share a lot of similar influences that they, as well which which is a very interesting thing but we you know we grew up around a lot of blues music and that was people like Holland Wolf and Muddy Waters Elmore James Lightning Hopkins you know Robert Johnson B.B. King you know all of the Kings and you know a lot of folk too which was like Arlo Guthrie and um, you know Bob Dylan and Joan Baez Joni Mitchell you know John Denver is a big one you know and then Soul and Aretha Franklin and jazz and, you know, just like a lot of that, you know, um, roots uh, music. So, and then, you know, it's interesting because I don't believe that we really listen to too much, uh, you know, rock and roll in the sense of, you know, the personified version of all of those traditional elements, which was kind of the rock and roll movement until, you know, probably around high school. But, uh, but yeah, there's there are uh, you know quite a quite a few influences that kind of that go quite deep with us. Well, regardless of how tiresome the Zeppelin thing can be, I'm sure Robert Plant thinks you guys are good. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember waking up one morning and and uh, someone was like, "Yeah, hey, you got to check this out." And Robert Plant commented, and he's like, "You know, just see that he you know appreciates what we're doing." I mean. It doesn't really get any cooler than that. <laughs> now, when did you guys first realize that, okay, this isn't just going to be a neighborhood band, it's not going to be about playing, you know, local dances in the fire hall. Was there a song or a moment when you knew it was going to be big? Um, no, I don't, I don't know that we ever looked at it as, you know, it was going to be something that was, you know, blown out of proportion and, and, uh, 
and move so quickly. I think I think that we knew that we had something of you know something special relative to a lot of what is going on in the you know popular world of music. Um, I think it was at one point when Josh really started singing. You know, we had a, a you know we had a it was really loud in the garage at home that we would rehearse it. So, you know, I'd had I had my amp full all the way up because the drums were blaring loud, and then Sam would turn up, and the mic was never loud enough. You know, we could never get enough volume out of it. So I think Josh just started wailing, and we all just stopped at that point and we kind of looked at each other and said, "That's how you got to sing right there, because that's it. that's it." You know, that's, you know, that's pretty rock and roll and i think at that it was that i think it was that point that um that we all kind of knew where we were going where we were going with the you know thing so now you've mentioned your parents and grandparents a couple times jake which i think is just uh, delightful uh, what do they think of all this i am not entirely sure i think that they're still you know wrapping Wrapping their heads around it, I guess you know it's um it's it's great though. But you know, I think they're 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 very proud of us in in many ways, and I know that um I know that our grandfather never stops talking to people about it. You know, <laughs> and our and our grandma you know tells us about it. He's like, oh, we went to you know we went to the hair place, and you know, grandpa was talking about you guys again and again. You know, he he's a you know. He's a pre-musician himself. He was in the uh, Michigan uh, Polka Hall of Fame as a accordion player. So he's, uh, I think that, you know, they're, they're, they're proud and still sort of grasping the reality of it, I think. Uh, Jake, listen, thank you for taking the time. Uh, you guys are good. It's the real thing. I enjoy it a lot. I wish you well moving forward. Great. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. That is Jake Kiska from Greta Van Fleet. Getting ready to rock the house tonight at Stage AE on the North Shore. I'm Mark Madden. Now it's time to ask Mark anything. 412-333-WXDX. Total traffic. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, you struck my last nerve. You say that like you think I would remotely give a dump. But do go on. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. Antonio Brown just uh, made a couple statements. <laughs> now he's making statements. He supports Le'Veon Bell making a business decision regarding him turning down the Steelers' offer, and he thinks Terrell Owens should attend the Hall of Fame ceremony. It's time to ask Mark anything, 412-333-WXDX. I'm off the next two days, so get it while it's hot, 412-333-WXDX. Brought to you by Chapino Restaurant Cigar Bar. Be sure to check out Chapino in the Strip. Let's go to uh, TC in Carrick. TC, ask Mark anything. Hey, Double M, what's up, man? What up? Hey, I got two things for you. First off, let me say that was an exceptional interview. Every time you have a musical guest, you just blow the roof off the place. And my second thing is I loved your reference to the Steppenwolf song, Gosh Darn, the Pusher Man. Well, thank you. Let's go to uh, Tom in the car. Tom, ask Mark anything. Hey, Double M. Uh, just wondered, what was your first concert, and uh, was it any good? Well, when I was like 11 or 12, I wandered into a James Gang concert at the ballroom in Conneaut Lake. 
So technically, that was the first one I, I saw. The first one I bought a ticket for was uh, Rod Stewart and the Faces at the Civic Arena. I want to say 74, 75. I'm not sure exactly when. It was really good. I mean, Rod Stewart, Ronnie Wood, McClagan, Kenny Jones, Ronnie Lane, a, a tremendous show. As I recall, that's an awful long time ago. Let's go to Jake in North Hills. Jake. Mr. Madden, how are you today? Good. Hey, I'm heading out to Chicago uh, Friday to catch the City and Dortmund match. Any recommendations on restaurants? I'm going to be there for the week. Gibson's, goodbye. How many times do I have to say Gibson's? Justin and McDonald. Justin, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark, if I can find a babysitter tonight, can I go to Bread of Honesty with you? Let me see how I can put this. No! And finally, Chris in Youngstown. Chris, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark, just wondering if you were planning on listening to the smack-off Jim Rome show on Friday. No, why? Did why you? would I listen to it? I don't know if you're a fan or not. I am a fan, but I haven't listened. I don't even know what station he's on. What station is he on now? Well, I don't know. In Pittsburgh, I'm calling from Youngstown. so He's on TV, too. If I'm in Youngstown, I'll listen. See you Monday. 105.90X.